Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is your strange and beautiful life. Oh my goodness. That was the best one yet. Was it? Okay, good. <laughs> I, I didn't. So I, I almost said your strange and wonderful life. Well, I think it's okay. Um, hi, everybody, <laughs> and welcome to This is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. My name is Erica J. Schmidt, and on my podcast, I talk to people who may or may not have had the chance to transform their lives into spectacular TED Talks. For example, right in front of me, I have my dear friend and Montreal storytelling star and fabulous musician, Jeff Gandel. And yeah, so we are going to dive right into it. But first, we have a quick break. So we'll see you on the other side. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay, we're back. That was a really fun break, as usual. Uh, And so, like I promised, we have Jeff Gandel. Jeff Gandel is an icon in the Montreal storytelling and performance community. He has written, directed, produced, and starred in a number of glittering fringe shows, including Things Drugs Taught Me, which was co-created with Nisha Coleman, and The Balding, a coming-of-age story about the race to lose your virginity before your hair. For six years, Jeff ran the adored storytelling show Yarn at the KGB. May it rest in peace. Uh, He has offered countless storytelling workshops and has been a pivotal guide and mentor for all kinds of storytellers, including me. And these days, he is channeling his creative energy into writing and singing songs. So far, he has produced two albums, Cold Chicken and Rice and This Past Summer, Only Human, a reappraisal of what it means to be mortal in an age of too many robots. Uh, Jeff also has one child, and I believe you have one more coming. One more coming, yeah. Very soon. Okay, so we're lucky to have you. What a thrill. Welcome to This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Erica. Thank you for having me. Okay, so are we allowed to ask, like, did you lose your virginity before your hair, or is that a secret? Um, I lost my virginity before I lost my hair entirely. Okay. That's, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I did, I definitely lost some hair before I lost my virginity, but, but I, by the time I lost my virginity, I would say I still had pretty awesome hair. Okay. Yeah. yeah Cause you had the flowing, you had blonde locks, I right? I had blonde locks. Yeah. They were flowing. Uh, they were, they were, it was really nice. Yeah, you were set nice. to be yeah. a boy band rock star. Yeah. I had basically just figured out my hair and then I started losing it. Oh no. Yeah. I feel like yeah. the same thing is happening to me too. Is that right? No. I'm 38. Oh no, I'll be 37. Oh no, I can't remember. Anyways, I do find I've finally figured out my hair mm-hmm. at 37. And okay, like good. I thought you meant you were losing your hair. So but that's... I'm wondering, it might, I might be losing it. You oh, get really? handfuls in the in the shower. Okay, it looks yeah. very robust. I think yeah. that I do have a lot. Maybe it's for yeah. the best. Okay, well, rest in peace, your hair. But the good mm-hmm. news is, you can still be a rock star with no hair. That's right. Yeah, right. It's more acceptable in this day and age. For okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you need to you need to own the baldness. Unfortunately, I wasn't in town when you put on the balding. I'm okay. sure it was very ten years ago now. Yeah, it's the ten year anniversary. Oh, will yeah. you do it again? 
probably not, but okay. uh, but here's here's a scoop. Uh, okay. I have gotten into the Fringe Festival for next for this uh, this no twenty four I guess okay. next summer. You won the early bird. Okay. I, I did the early bird. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, Here's my here's my thing because you mentioned my my children's situation. Uh, so I have a child. And I'm having a new one soon. But it is my uh, intention to if I can write a first draft of my show before my new child is born, which is in like roughly six weeks, uh-huh. then I will do the fringe. Okay. Yeah. Well, you can involve your children. Maybe just uh, you know give them some tambourines I or think something. Rory would be extremely entertaining. I yeah. think he would be good. Yeah. Okay. So the timing is impeccable. Okay. Yeah. But you're not going to do a reshoot of the balding. But what what was the the moral? Like I have a theory that like you really need to own your baldness. Like yeah. it's very. I I mean. I don't want to insult anybody's haircut, but here we go. Like, you know, when people just are in denial and then they have the hair all around the little bald spot, it's not the best look. For sure. And it's, uh, I would say it's impossible to not be in denial when you're, when you're losing your hair, Mm. you know, because, um, who wants to admit to that reality? You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very easy to look at yourself in the mirror when you're losing your hair and say, no, I'm not really losing my right. hair, you know, uh, and then and then do the kind of comb over type situation. I, you know, I, I kind of pushed my hair forward for a while. Okay. I did a lot of a lot of the, like I'm brushing my forehead forward here kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's interesting, though, because I don't think women have that denial. I feel like when we see something, we see gray, we see whatever, like stray pubes, whatever's happening. Oh. We kind of magnify it. We're like, oh, God, you know, and we take like great pains. Right. But, hmm. Well, uh, which one is better? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so you're in denial. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I had a friend say that people who go bald can handle it. Do you think that's true? Well, like, I mean, there's all sorts of people in the world, right? So mm-hmm. there's as many kinds of bald people as there are, are people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like for me, the big thing was, um, and by the way, I love talking about going bald. So thank you for bringing Do it up. Do you? Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I did write a show about it. Um, but uh, th- uh, go- being bald was fine. Going bald was terrible. Okay. And it was essentially when I was... When I was 27, I uh, shaved my head uh, for good, and um, I was like, "Oh, I have a nicely shaped head," and it just all went away. All of the right. all because you do have a nicely shaped I do. head. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I do, and uh, but I did, you don't know that until you shave yeah. your head. And so once I learned that, it like really all the anxiety kind of disappeared in, right. with, as my hair fell, you know, onto the sink. But um, oh. <laughs> but but before that, it was like you know about eight years of of real anxiety and pain. Where did it was you just, take? pills and stuff I didn't this? take pills I made yeah. the, that was another thing that was empowering I think is I made the choice to not take pills right so I did I did see the doctor about some pills mm-hmm. I did I did research it but uh I chose to not take the I I, I did make the the choice uh that I would rather go bald than take medicine for my hair I heard that it caused erectile dysfunction. It can. It's mm-hmm. it's it's rare. So it it can call. It, so what it is, if you're interested in the science of it, it's no, it's a drug. Resist. It's a drug called finasteride. Okay. And finasteride is used to treat men who have enlarged prostates. Oh. And what they found when they were giving men these medicine, this medicine, is they weren't going bald. What it does is it lowers your testosterone. Mm. Uh, so I guess as a as a kind of side effect of lowering your testosterone, some men can experience uh, libidinal difficulties. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I understand, it is reversible. So if okay. you if you stop taking it, then, uh, then you can get you your lose, juice back. Do you lose your hair You'll when you stop hair. taking yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but if 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 you, most, I think most men don't have that side effect. But if you do experience that side effect then you have another choice to make. Would I okay. rather be bald and... Uh, and get laid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Okay, and get off. Uh, 
but I, yeah, I have a theory about baldness. I'm not super sciencey, but yeah. I, I heard that, yeah, it is related to low or more higher testosterone, less yeah. hair, right? Less hair on your head. Let's okay. be clear. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Plenty of hair on the body. Okay. Yeah. But then like when you see guys with like a full head of hair at like mm-hmm. 45, you're kind of like, hmm, you don't have much testosterone, do you? Like, yeah. You I'm can... glad that I don't have that thought. Okay. That would be, yeah. Because I don't really think about my baldness much anymore. Okay. Um, and, and the reality is that it's not, I don't think it's that black or white, you know, mm-hmm. that it, it, I think it does come from a high level testosterone, but I think I imagine humanity comes in various forms. So I imagine it's possible to have a high level testosterone and have a full head of hair. Mm-hmm. Genetics plays a big role as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. And then maybe they are taking the medicine, you know. Okay. Right. Uh, so. Yeah. Or they could have gone, I heard you could go to not Greece, Turkey. You'd go to Turkey for some sort of like head thing. Is that right? I didn't yeah, know about that. Yeah, yeah I just, mm. I, I think that balding is in the air. I've heard a lot of conversations about balding recently oh, on really? Abby Stonehouse's podcast with John Kotrakois, our friend, John. Is he, is he? He's going bald and he's, he's concerned. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think he looks fab. Looks great. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just, you need to embrace it. And well, yeah, because I mean, ultimately, if you look at it objectively, it's a change. Mm-hmm. It's not a uh, a change for the worse, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're going through it where it, that's what yeah. it feels like. But you like, know? I have a theory that haircuts are almost always good news, like, especially mm-hmm. for dudes, because like, you know, when like dudes are really attached to their locks or whatever, and you're yeah. like, uh, you know, you think it's going to be sad when they cut them and then they cut them and you're like, oh, that was a good, that was, yeah. it was a good decision. It's, we're in an especially hairy period. I think like mm-hmm. the beards also, beards yeah. have gotten, I mean, it's been a while now, but they've, they've gotten completely absurd. They're know? like a space to accumulate hummus and like, right. you know, yeah, like yeah. A, it's like a platter. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but you can still work your beard, but you're, you're quite reasonable about that. It's not yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Okay. You're not making huge statements with that. I wouldn't do that. No. Okay. Well, I am very delighted to have learned all of that yeah, about yeah. sheer balding, and we're looking forward to your friend's show. He's going to have to write fast. Uh, but yeah, like in my life, I, I think I've known you for about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. I met you at Confabulation, That's the right. storytelling show. And I always found that Jeff Gandell, like whenever I was going to, I have this sort of trope in my life of the chill types of people who go with the flow. Like I always wanted to be that kind of person. And I always picture Jeff Gandell as that oh. person. Um, and yeah, do you have any do you have any secrets to staying chill? Or is am I am I projecting? Like I know you you sort of mention your insecurities like mm-hmm. in your work and stuff, like yeah. in your stories and your songs, but it almost feels like you're you're kind of laughing at yourself. You're sort of not you're yeah. not in it. I think there's there's various levels, right? So mm-hmm. I think I've always been kind of a calm person just in terms of my demeanor. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've never been like a super loud gregarious type of person mm-hmm. uh so that's a type of calmness and then but I, but for a long time I, I think i was very anxious in my mind you know okay. so i would i would probably appear calm uh, on the on the outside but there was a lot going on right. in here um i've certainly calmed my mind we, we, we talked about meditation before we were on air mm-hmm. uh so uh, so i i don't meditate anymore you asked me that question not not a, not really uh a decision that I've made, mm-hmm. but I just haven't made space for it in my life uh, recently. But uh, meditation helps, and um, just uh, exercise therapy helped a lot. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. you were like, you know, like some of us, it's not a contest, but I'm on my 13th therapist, but it feels yeah. to me like you had a therapist for like a year and a half and then everything was good. Four years. I'd say four, four years. years. Yeah, it was four okay. Years. See, I'm making up a legend about Jeff Gandel, yeah, yeah. but that's, that's still okay. pretty good, right? Four I, years. It was, yeah, it was, it was fairly efficient. Yeah. I have okay. to say. Yeah. Okay. And so she was great. She was a therapist who kind of evolved into a spiritual advisor, mm. uh, which was good. So the meditation was her idea, uh-huh. uh, you know, the, the calming of the mind. And I, I don't know, I just, getting older, I think, uh, has, has calmed my mind as well. Uh, I think, I think just, yeah, in my 30s, from, I think this is a common experience. My 30s was a process of kind of accepting more and more that I'm going to die mm. eventually. And that's, that's actually quite a like calming thought you know because it's like okay nothing really matters so much that i'm doing you know like i'm i'm i have child soon to have children so that matters in terms of you know they're shaping their lives um and and in terms of just uh you know bringing love into the universe but um but at the end of the day you know like all these things that i've worried about forever forever are just everything's gonna go away so just like Mm. you know breathe i guess I remember I met you when I was 29 going on 30 Mm -hmm. and I was going through some things, breakup. I was a little bit, I don't want to say unhinged, but it wasn't like, you know, it was good material that that year was good material. And I remember my 30th birthday, Jeff Gandell texted me and says, you know, being 30, it it gets better. You know, you're just going to stop giving a shit. You're not going to like, things are going to feel, you're going to feel better about your life. And I was like, yes. And then like, that's a very consistent message I'm giving that uh, here. That's, uh, that was what? What year did you that say was that was? That was 2015. Okay, so eight years ago, like, and I'm still, I'm still giving the same message. So that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. But I'm 37 now, so I'm still waiting to like feel. I mean, yeah, I just I found that my 30s have been a little up and down, but um, I, I appreciate that there are more even keel people out there. For example, Jeff Gandell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, you're so chill that you didn't want to know the questions ahead of time. You were like, don't want to prepare. I just want to go on the fly. I feel like it would be more interesting that way. Yeah. yeah. But like, then I was like, oh, should I not prepare? But oh, I, I didn't mean to suggest no, that you No, but I, I, I did prepare. So okay, good. I, have, I have a little surprise for you. Um, okay. So Jeff Gandell has been writing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so I did a little bit of digging. And okay. so there's a paper beside you. Yeah. Do you want me and, to turn it over? Yeah. Okay. And I would like you to please read it. Okay. Um, if I, okay, interesting. Uh, if I were in the book Alice in Wonderland instead of Alice, first of all, my name would be Guido, Guido Motz, but who needs a last name? Now, so I'm following a late rabbit. Sure, how possible? Let's make it a dead, ugly zombie. No, I know. I'm following a girl in a string bikini. Better. So I fell down a hole. It could happen. It's happened to me before, but I didn't die. I was just unconscious, but just for a little while. Oh, so what happens next? I eat an eat me sign. I'm hungry. Leave me alone. Then I'm tiny. This is confusing. Change it around. I ate steak and puked. That's bad, but better. (laughs) Right. Okay. Now I'm in Wonderland. I'd rather be in Disneyland. Too bad. Shucks. Now I'm as confused as a turtle in the desert. If I find a caterpillar... Oh, sorry. I find a caterpillar. I hate caterpillars, so I step on it. Uh Wait a second. My watch stopped, so I'll wind it. Not a problem. Anyway, I'm just running through Wonderland. I trip. Ow. I see this cat who can disappear and you can see his teeth. I'm amazed. They ain't got that in Montreal. I think I'll sigh. <sighs> that feels... Off with his head. Hey, Guido, uh, Guido. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Oh, you, I says. Hi, how's your plumbing? This is getting so confusing. I think I'll zap her with my super duper gun. Yeah, that's the ticket. 
Well, my toilet keeps overflowing, but misses hearts. I gotta go to the bathroom, says me. I mean, so badly. Wow, I'm in, a, I'm in pain. To be continued because I have nothing else to write. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. So there's this wonderful podcast called Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Yeah. And, and Jeff was featured. And how how old were you? Did I read that at Grown Up Read Things? Yeah, and I really? typed it up for you. <laughs> oh, wow. That must have been quite an adventure. <laughs> you don't remember reading it? You remember writing it though, I, right? Sort of. I remember doing that. I've done that show several times. Yeah. It's a great show. Um, I don't remember reading this one specifically. Uh, do I remember writing it? I definitely don't remember writing it. I think I can recognize that it's mine. Legend has it you have like piles of kids kid I, writing. I do. I've yeah. kept I've kept everything I've ever written. Wow. So, uh, yeah, in my storage, I have boxes, kids writing, and also like um, from my early twenties, there was a lot of like my my notebooks from university. I spent most classes just you know writing poems and uh, like just napkins and little papers and like stuff how like, that. like i think this was like maybe a, t- a assignment it sounds like maybe yeah i would i would have like i'm thinking i wind uh, like i'm looking at the the part where i wound my watch i did when i was in florida when i was a kid it must have been like either six or ten uh i found by the pool a mickey mouse watch that was mm-hmm. a wind-up watch mm-hmm. so it must have been i must have been around 10 probably 10 yeah. and then so I'm like thinking of disneyland and this watch Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but then, like, I don't know. I just find the timing of it. It's, like, beautifully absurd and, yeah. like, funny. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to put it in the show notes. I think it was great. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, so you had the talent, but, like, you, like, obviously, most people have to write stories for, like, school, but yeah, you yeah. also did it. Like, how did it start? How did you? It was in school. Okay. We, we, it was great. We wrote a lot in school. Okay. Like, uh, uh, creative writing. Okay. Uh, and, and I just loved to do it. And I remember in grade three, I wrote a book. Uh, called uh, Mr. S- Mr. Slacks on the Power Monster. Wow. It was basically uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That was the story. Right. Um, but uh, and my my teacher like allowed me while while the other kids were doing other activities. She let me like sit and work on my book. She really Aww. she was a great teacher. Uh, Mrs. Lazar, I think was her name. Mrs. Lazar. Yeah, just like encouraged she's me. And, still and alive? We I should... do not know. Oh. I don't know the, the answer. Grade to that. three. Those teachers are so. Precious, I find yeah, grade three, I one, two, three, I just four. had a really like creatively nourishing elementary school experience. Okay, yeah. it, all through. So it wasn't like you were writing at home; you were doing a lot of this for school. It was for school, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. all these stories were for school. But and then, we would like make you know like take our stories and make books out of you know like make covers and yeah. Uh, there's something so important about making it into a real, it's so a real book. Yeah, and then and, you read to your your student your classmates yeah. from the rocking chair we, yeah we used to read to each other like stand in front of the class and and like do readings and it was just brilliant like seven unicorns by jeff gandell yeah. and yeah but you obviously you obviously had a talent for that and then like then when were you then you'd switch to like writing on napkins like when were you doing it just for you like on your own do you remember when that started um Yes, uh, probably 16, mm-hmm. uh, I think, 16. And it came from where it always comes is just like, you know, uh, added anger at my parents, really. Just Heartbreak. Being, just being a teenager. Heartbreak and uh, anger at my parents. So my first poem, I had this, I mentioned this in The Balding, but I had a, a book of poetry, like my own poetry, that I called Remember the Future, was the <laughs> title. Um, and it had a, on, it was a binder, like a red binder, and I, my parents used to subscribe to the New York Times, and one yeah. one like weekend, the New York Times magazine, the cover was this beautiful picture of like a frog jumping into water, mm-hmm. and it was like half in the water, half out of the water. So I, I took that picture and put it on top of Remember the Future. Um, so I would write poems just about how how you know how terrible my parents were. That's how it started. Okay, yeah. and was there marijuana also? 
There was, uh, yes, at some point. I think I probably started writing poetry slightly before I start. I started smoking weed, but it was around the same time. Okay, for sure. yeah. a little angsty. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. And did you live with your parents a long time because you're a Montreal person? Yeah. So you had to like go to like, yeah. I went to school Sejep. here. I went to Sejep. I went to university here. So yeah, till I was 23, I lived okay. with my parents. Yeah. yeah. All right. You um, must have a really nice relationship with them. I do now. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, once I moved out, it, it solved everything. And four four years of therapy. Yeah. Four years of therapy was a big deal. Okay. Good. Yeah. And about the storytelling, I remember you saying like that you wrote down every single thing that happened to you at one point. Like as an adult, you were trying to like trying to yeah tell the whole story of your life. What was that ab- about? I kind of abandoned that. I uh, I just I just <laughs> tedious. Had an, <laughs> it was tedious. Yeah. It's just it would be never ending. I had the idea, yeah, to just sit down and write everything I remember that had ever happened to me oh, in my God. life. <laughs> uh, and I did it for a while, and I I got pretty far, but uh, I probably got till I was like. 10 or 11 years old like what minutia makes it in like where do you draw the years i don't know well it's literally anything i can remember right so So, i went out for ice cream yeah yeah for sure my mom you know i don't remember mad at me there's i don't remember everything from from that age so just like yeah you wonder like and it would have been yeah either things i did or the types of things i would do i guess you know but you wonder why certain memories really stick with you like i have this memory i was in a bed a bunk bed Mm -hmm. i woke up from a nap i looked over at this like what do you, a wardrobe that was like across from my bunk bed. And I thought of the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. Mm -hmm. I was like four or five. And I just remember that forever. Why did I remember? It's not that important, right? Or like certain things people, like lines people say, you know? I know. Yeah. It's, it is mysterious. Like there's the obvious one of like trauma and stuff that sticks with you, but like the stuff that doesn't immediately seem meaningful. I mean, it's probably, it's probably the same reason. Like when you read a book, like some image will just jump out at you. It's like, the, yeah, I, I think it just like what reaches you ate some that day. Like, yeah, I think it just reaches some part part of your subconscious. It yeah. might be like deja vu, also. You know, yeah, like, I feel like uh, the you, mundane deja vu. You happens just feel a lot. connected to a certain uh-huh. image or a sound or a smell. Yeah, or a combination of them. Uh huh. Yeah. So, like, yeah, mining from all your experiences. But I feel like for your creative trajectory, you weren't like. Like, you know, the obvious thing for your teachers to say would be like, well, Jeff, I'm looking forward to your novel. Uh, and like, you know, you're good at writing, then mm-hmm. take that to whatever the furthest thing writing can take you. But who knows what that is anyways. But it sounds like you have a very organic creative tra- trajectory. Like you did, were drawn to storytelling and then, you know, then you wrote a play, but then now you're more into songwriting. Like, do you yeah. want to kind of describe like how you sort of decide on these twists and turns and yeah it's not so much a decision like Mm -hmm. it it, in a way I feel kind of like it's not a good idea you know right (laughs) because I guess it's the kind of like jack of all trades master of none thing but like (laughs) well I feel like honestly like not to I don't know if this sounds kind of douchey but I feel like when I when I do something and I can do it well, like I kind of just immediately want to do something different, you know. Okay. Like I know. It. So like as soon as I like while I was doing the balding and like mm-hmm. I was, it was really kind of it was kind of a hit when it came out, you yeah. know. And people were and I was um I was doing an interview and I was talking about it. And I was like, yeah, I want to do like a, a fiction like a fictional piece, you know. Right. Uh, I was like right away. I just because it's like I could, I did this already. I want to yeah, do something yeah. different. I just feel like uh, I always want to kind of do different things. Yeah, because there's some people who will do one fringe show and nothing wrong with this, right? But then mm-hmm. they're like, okay, I'm going to hit the road and they'll do it like 
47, 57 yeah. times. Like, I don't know, for storytelling, I've done, I don't think I've ever done the same story twice, right? I and think I, there's real value, though, yeah. in, in that repetition, though, mm-hmm. also, like, it's I like did. healing, or? Well, just really kind of, the show evolves and becomes something yeah. different, you know? Uh-huh. And I know that from the balding is the show I've done the most. I haven't yeah. done it that much, but I mean, I've maybe done it, like, 25 or 30 times. And mm-hmm. I felt, I felt like, uh, after like the fifteenth time, I was like, "Oh, I kind of get what this show's about," you know. Like Fifteen it, times, yeah. Oh like it, it kind of reveals itself in different ways, and the performance changes. Obviously, and it uh-huh. just it becomes something different. Um, and you talked about cutting hair, and you know, like it, it it tends to, for in my experience, it tends to get shorter also, and that's right. and that's really, or maybe not shorter, but fewer words. Yeah, uh, and that's really satisfying as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I remember you telling me about your opening night. I think it was the ball thing because that was your first show, right? That's yeah, the first yeah. show you ever did, and the you first just like long show I did. And yeah. you you got there, and you're well. Tell us about it. I heard you forgot your lines, and you just but like you knew it was the right place to be. Well, so I was super nervous. So I had done like yeah. ten minutes storytelling bits, you know, mm-hmm. maybe as much as twenty minutes, but this was an hour long show. Uh, and so I was extremely nervous. Um, I didn't sleep for like probably the whole week before. Oh God, uh, no, I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I, and I over rehearsed yeah, for yeah. sure. You know, like I was working with Matt Goldberg, who was yeah. the director and, uh, this wasn't his, his direction to over rehearse, but right. that was just like, I had a different conception of performance. I was just like, I'm going to know it so well that like, it'll, it's you know, it's foolproof. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been um, there. Yeah. Yeah. Still there. So over rehearsed, <laughs> knew it a bit too well. Uh, and, um, and I got up there and I started and yeah, I think one of the first few lines, I just blanked. Like I just, okay. I just, I, I was, that's the, that's the most uh, kind of the biggest fear is you're just going to forget your lines. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Nightmare. Um, and I just kind of blanked. And then I don't know, it's like, it just freed me and, and yeah. it, I blanked and it didn't matter. And I was yeah. like, Oh, okay. And I, th- yeah, I just felt like this is, this just, let me just enjoy this, you it's know, and then, yeah. yeah, and the rest of it was just like, I had so much fun doing it and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't care as the much. The pressure, like the, the worst thing that could ever happen. I mean, besides like your pants falling down or yeah, something, yeah. but even then, and then you're like, oh, well, it happened. It was 30 seconds, I think 30 seconds and I just completely relaxed yeah. and it was like, it was just easy, it was natural. Yeah. Like you talk about, you said this in storytelling class, that like at the beginning of a, a of a performance, yeah everybody's nervous like the, sure. the audience is nervous oh, and yeah. the person up there is nervous and it's like there's this oh no is it gonna work out mm-hmm. and then like the person on stage needs to relax or somebody needs to laugh and sort of break the break the tension i think that's true i think that's true for uh like certainly maybe artists who are not well known or if you don't know the artists mm-hmm. so well you know i think i'm thinking like if you go see like uh, i don't know bruce springsteen you're not gonna be nervous yeah. about, but like <laughs> can he do it <laughs> yeah uh, but I think that's true. I think if it's if if the if the artist is a bit of an unknown, if your friend is like, "Hey, come see my friend," oh, they're putting so on this show, you know, stand up comedy, especially. Yeah, exactly, right? There's su- there's the amateur performers. Let's say, yeah. let's, you know, there's such a chance that it could just be painful. Yeah, uh, and 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 nobody wants that, you know. No. And, and I think the audience doesn't want that for themselves, but even more for the performer. There's a sense of empathy, I think, mm-hmm. that comes with being in that space where you're mm-hmm. like. I, I can be bored, but I just don't want to watch this person kind yeah, of yeah, flounder yeah. for an hour, you know? And um, and there has... So perhaps it was a mutual kind of relaxing moment that happened yeah. between me and the audience. Um, and that's why, like, you know, you see good performers. I mean, uh, I think Nisha has gotten really... She's yeah. always been good at this, but she's gotten really good at, like, at the beginning of her shows, just kind of, like, 
you know, almost just chatting with the audience or yeah, just like yeah, talking to them. And it's it's really, intro, it's yeah. really disarming, you know, yeah. because you're like, okay, this is, we're just humans we're talking. Just people, you know? yeah. 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 As opposed to like what I would do, which is like start with like a dramatic stiff, pose or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> like <laughs> stiff, overly rehearsed joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, but isn't there some kind of like biological thing that happens when people, when you're watching people play music or do story, like isn't there some kind of like... Not pheromones, but doesn't like your people's hearts does like I think you regulate don't people co-regulate maybe like everybody's heart starts beating in the same oh, maybe I, like, I, I don't know the science up. of it yeah but no it, I'm not it good seems, at science it, yeah it seems like it yeah like it, it seems, seems like yeah, it does a, seem like something very humanizing and magic if it's going well happened. yeah yeah and if not everybody's checking their phones and everybody's <laughs> checking their phones and that's an experience too you know yeah right yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm playing. I like. I'm mostly just playing at open mics now, and and that's, oh. uh, there's a lot of people checking their phones. Yeah, that can be hit or miss. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's all you chalk it all up to experience. Yeah, the more you get on stage, the less um, you feel like your legs are going to um, separate from the rest of your body when mm-hmm. you're up there. So yeah, same with podcasts a little bit, but it's not as I think it's not as nerve wracking. Right, because you can't see the people. Yeah, like it's not as usually I'm a bit nervous with the mics and stuff at the beginning. But but yeah, so you've had a lot of excellent teachers starting in grade three. And like, the storytelling community has a wealth of wonderful teachers in Montreal, we've got you, Nisha, the confabulation team. Mm Uh, but then I remember you you were getting into singing and learning guitar, and yeah. you did not have a good teacher. Can you tell us about <laughs> yeah. that? Well, that's one of the stories I told a couple of times. Yeah, well, I, I had a terrible teacher, yeah. So I'll, I'll say mean. her name. Yeah, her name was Sylvie. I don't mind saying her name uh, because I would warn people if, if they yeah. find it. Probably not all singing, not, definitely not all singing teachers' names Sylvie are bad. But anyway, um, yeah, so I found her on Kijiji, uh, and and it's, yeah, so there's already <laughs> a red start. flag. But I liked her ad. She had a really well written ad. Or she yeah. was like, I, you know, I like uh, my singing style comes from jazz and blues, and mm-hmm. I you know I like blues. So I was like, okay, there's some kind of connection here. And um, and she, uh, I mean, to make a long story short, she just uh, would constantly remind me that I was not a good singer and I never would be a good singer. And and which is not a fact. Like, not a fact at all. Yeah. No, and uh, really kind of had the uh the attitude that one is is born a singer or they're not and i right. wasn't that's the... and, but then she would be like okay i guess let's do another exercise you know oh. um, and it was just i felt super uncomfortable and she had like so i had paid for a bunch of lessons in advance mm-hmm. so my whole assumption was that she was trying to get me to quit so she told me there were no refunds so right that she was trying to get me to quit so she could keep my money which i was determined not to do but ultimately uh, i think i left a bit of money on the table it was there. a kijiji singing teacher scam oh possibly yeah yeah that is like the worst i mean it wasn't a total scam like she could sing you right. know like I, I, but... I could tell that she was a singer but um but not a not a good teacher so then all. did you find another teacher? Or you yeah, just, I okay. found a great teacher. Okay. So uh, yeah, Linda Morrison, who's okay. a local Montreal okay. uh, musician. Uh, she was a fantastic teacher. So like really the opposite, you know, okay. like extremely uh, encouraging and extremely like positive and just a really good energy. And just, yeah. yeah so like the worst thing you could ever say to a student, you'll never be good at this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> I'm good at this. You're not just get used to it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, I found a really good singing teacher. Yeah. And, okay. And but now this, I enjoy it. So. Yeah. This Sylvie person, like she's mm-hmm. almost just like intentionally toxic. Like she's kind of, yeah. Well, I think like 
I, I don't know how she would be with, I mean, I guess I could have considered myself a kind of a novice singer in mm-hmm. a way. Um, like I've gotten better at being on pitch, but I, you know, I have, it's, it's something that I had to work on a lot, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm yeah. still not, I'm still, I'm still pitchy at times, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, she said like, she hates, that's another thing she would say is I hate working with beginners, you know? Okay. So perhaps if you're like a professional singer Maybe she'll she'll have more respect for you. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know the yeah, answer to that. She but. should have just put intermediate and advanced only. Right. Um, I, I, I believe like uh, financial situation forced mm. her to take on any kind yeah. of client. But I, I think if she had the choice, probably. Yeah, maybe she was an embittered musician and she was like sad for her lack of success. Yeah, she would always like cancel at the last minute because no, she was in the studio. I would, I was so happy when she canceled. I was like, oh, oh my God, like, I, I yeah, don't it's have like, to. It's like I win. Yeah, right? I don't have to go there today. Fantastic. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but it would just prolong the, you know, I yeah. wanted to get to the end of my like 16 hours that I'd right. paid for. Okay. And it just went on for forever. But I got a really good story out of it. So, yeah. Hey, okay. And yeah. now you, you're a good singer. You're a good guitar player, but not because of Sylvie. Um, yeah. Well, not not directly because directly. of her. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She. I mean, I guess you put in some time next, thanks to her. But I mentioned toxic relationship because now we have a listener question. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. I. This has been in my inbox for a really long time. So okay. I thought that... I picked you special to answer it. Oh, I'm delighted. Okay. Okay. So no question, no, no pressure. Um, Dear Erica and Jeff, my cousin can't stop. Sorry, was this a question directed to me personally? Well, people usually write to me and I added your name. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to get the, (laughs) understand. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't know, most people didn't know you were coming. Okay. Uh, Okay. So dear Erica and Jeff, my cousin can't stop going back to her problematic ex. Hmm. My cousin is like a best friend and sister to me, and I'm worried about her. For the past seven years, she has been up and down and on and off with a dude I'm pretty sure is emotionally and verbally abusive. Her therapist has used the word, and, her, and his behavior scores five out of five on most internet lists. I don't remember her ever seeming that solid and happy with this dude, but he seems to have this magnetic pull on her. They'll have these volatile blowouts, and then a few days to a few weeks later, they'll go back to this soothing honeymoon phase. Meanwhile, this guy totally takes her for granted. He criticizes, shames, and belittles her. During conflicts, he manipulates every situation so she takes on a disproportionate amount of responsibility. Uh, For years, when she suggested therapy, he would scoff at her concerns, gaslighting every feeling. Their saga seems to escalate, and often my cousin seems deeply distressed and physically unwell at the conflict. Recently, they had their longest breakup yet. She had even started to see someone else. But all of a sudden, her ex banged at her door in the middle of the night, sobbing and promising to change. Seven years later, he has read two self-help books and started to go to the gym, Somehow this is enough and she's back with him. She argues that he isn't abusive, that finally he is willing to go to couples therapy, that, th- that she also plays a role in their toxic d- dynamic, which she claims they are finally healing. I worry that they are doomed to stay suck- stuck in the same cycle. I don't believe people can change like this, and I think her ex is just making a grand gesture because he doesn't want to lose her forever. I love my cousin and hate to watch her stuck in this vortex of suffering. What should I do? Love, she deserves so much better. Oh my god, this <laughs> <a> nightmare. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I don't really think there's anything you can do. I mean, yeah. I'm sure you've had this experience too, right? Where um, 
your friends are perhaps with someone you know bad for them but i mean you can't really i mean i'm really of the opinion that you can't really tell anyone anything you know it's kind of i think about that a lot as a teacher as well which is like there's kind of uh you know theory of teaching that like you can't really teach anyone anything new you can Mm -hmm. only kind of show them kind of what Mm -hmm. they already know and lead them towards discoveries that they can make on their own based on what they already know you know um if that makes any sense well that's not bad though because then no it's not it's great that's yeah uh but i don't know how that yeah so how would apply to this situation yeah well show her things that she already knows i think that i i guess that with this situation is this love she deserves so much better the cousin is the one writing the letter right so it's like it's very heartbreaking to see somebody in a situation that you feel is not good for them. Mm-hmm. But how can you protect yourself from like, this is obviously triggering you. It's obviously like, you know, causing you enough grief to write like seven yeah, yeah. paragraphs to this is your strange and beautiful life. Right. Um, no shame in that. Everybody write me all the paragraphs. Um, but like how, I guess like, what, what, is, what is the meaning of this situation for you, right? Because there's a chance you're going to have to watch this for the next 10 right. to 20 yeah, years or forever. Right, yourself, really. Right? Like, I, it's hard when it's a cousin, I guess, because like, like, one option is like just kind of emotionally detach yourself from this person, you know, mm-hmm. if this is causing you grief. Um, but that's always harder to do with family. I suppose. And also disappointing to do with friends, right? Because right, it's sure. just like, you're going to change, you're going to choose this like harmful situation over me, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It can be kind of hurtful for the people mm-hmm. who are left behind. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if you could like, kind of, I don't know, like note, like, because I, I would imagine that the, the, the person in question who's in this bad relationship has told their cousin, mm-hmm. you know, details about this right. toxic relationship. So, I mean, I wonder if you could just like, you know, after after the fact, like record it somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. in like a notebook and like each time it happens, be like, well, you know, November 8th, um, you said yeah. this to me. And just like you could do is like tell them back to, to them what they're saying to you. Yeah, you like know? this and, time a year ago, you were like, you know, seeking out therapists mm-hmm. and like taking time off work for this yeah. blowout. And now the same thing is happening mm-hmm. a year later. Like, is that like... Yeah. Right? It's, That's a good idea. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do without without like judging the person, you know? Yeah. Because it's just a very human experience. Yeah. Um, and it's important not to judge the person. Yeah. Because we are all like, all of us are in some kind of, there's maybe not Jeff Gandell, like, most of us have some situation where you're like, mm, I can maybe work on this. Like, oh, this is maybe not sure, in my yeah. best interest. Like, yeah. what, well, what do you do that's like problematic? I mean, if you're willing to share. Sure. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think my kind of default template is that I, I, I do have anger moments, mm, you know, okay. I do have moments where like I get frustrated and yeah. I'll, I'll yell, you yeah. know, okay. uh, and, um, uh, and I'm aware of it. And, and it's certainly, um, definitely like Laura's great cause she'll always make me aware of it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and she won't tolerate it, which is yeah. good. And, um, and, and also just like Rory when, you know, when Rory was, was born and, and the first few months where I was like, 
I wouldn't yell at him, but let's say if he might have been in the room, like crawling around and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I would drop something and like start swearing and like, you're so tired yeah, too, because you've been tiring up all night. as well. Yeah. yeah. So just noticing that I am, I'm not getting angry at him, but I am getting angry in his mm-hmm. presence, you know? Right. And he's witnessing that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I don't want him to, to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it helps to have other, well, maybe this is where, you know, it helps to have other people just make you aware of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't yeah, know. this is. I find this a very tricky. This is. It's a, tricky in relationships because, yeah. from what I understand about abusive relationships, is that the abuse is like part of what you become addicted to, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, like love is like a, a form of addiction. It's a drug. You know? It's a really terrible and, drug. And when you get into this pattern, that's kind of what you become addicted to is mm-hmm. is the pattern, right? And like, it's just it's really hard to get out of this cycle. Like we were talking about this, I think, with Caroline's all advice episode. But I I had an addictive friendship, which I think is different than a dip, an addicted addictive romantic partnership i think mm-hmm. that like what's better than makeup sex I don't, I don't even think i've ever even had it but like i think that must be very relieving sure, to be yeah. like on the outs with somebody and then it's exciting yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's like so but i just i i've said this before but i just remember when things were going really badly like i really felt like i was going to die and then like i'd get a text from my gay husband and i'd be like oh i'm not going to die after all and it's right. like I mean, how can you convince somebody that they're not going to die when for seven years they feel like they have been in that cycle where it's like, and it, it escalates too. Right. Um, I mean, I would say like, make sure she's safe. Like, sure, you know, yeah. know where, know, like, make sure you have sort of contact information and kind of ways, like, you know, if it, if it escalates to something worse, I feel like you can, you can take the appropriate mm-hmm. measures, do a wellness check or whatever. But once, you know, if it's just the same old mediocrity and toxicity i think that like focus on her like focus on what she is doing like maybe maybe you aren't going to be able to talk to her about this like Mm -hmm. long term because it does get really like it can be tiring it can be triggering for you if you've been in that kind of situation so maybe you can talk about other things um but i would say like maybe underline the underline the steps she has taken like it is i mean sure maybe you don't think it's worth going to couples therapy but like having another professional on board is a good thing right like you know underline her commitment to her to getting help and you know it just it just might take a really long time Mm -hmm. um and then i guess like the other thing that's troubling i googled I Googled, I did a little research on this and I came upon another advice column about somebody whose friend had been in an abusive relationship. And what the therapist said, Lori Gottlieb, shout out, she said that the problem, what happens with an abusive relationship is that there's like delusion, right? The person in the abusive relationship is in denial. They are sort of under the spell of the mm-hmm. abusive person and the the whole vibe, you know, you know, and just like, if you are arguing with the term abusive, like it's just semantics, a problematic situation, um, sort of under that spell. Um, but what happens is the people around you are also, they are taken on the ups and downs and they're taken into the denials, the gaslighting. So you are also kind of being, I don't want to say betrayed, but like kind of like you're also being lied to, right? Yeah. Because you're being fed the lies of sort of the God of the relationship. And that's like hard to deal with and problematic, yeah. right? So I think that like, I don't know, you can be upfront, but I don't know. I always think you got to play your cards right because you don't want to be like people need their friends. They need their close relationships during this time or else they're like, there's a risk of just getting very isolated. So I don't know. I'm someone who speaks my mind 
a lot. What yeah. about you, Jeff? Uh, I try to. I don't always do it. Okay. Yeah. Like, so it's just, I don't know. You have to maybe be, there's sort of a time. It's hard because you, you can't change hard. other people, you know, no. the, the, like change has to come from within, you mm -hmm. know, but, but you can be honest with them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so I think as long as like the cousin, yeah, knows how the writer of this letter feels mm -hmm. about, about their perception of this relationship and you're there for that person. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's that much more you can do, unfortunately. And yeah. yeah, it does, it does affect, affect other people as well. And that's why sort of as a defense mechanism, you have to kind of distance yourself from people sometimes. Yeah. You know? And maybe also like look at the part of you that's so invested in fixing it, right? Like mm -hmm. just that, that maybe you feel responsible. Maybe you're taking on too much here, right? Because it, right. it's it's not your relationship. No. It's uh, it's not your life. Uh, you know, like you are, you know, we're all, we're all sort of affected. We're all sort of connected to the people around us. But like, we're not, you're not going through your cousins day to day. You don't know what is like, maybe she has some other sort of fragility or like maybe she really doesn't feel like she could live without this guy. She feels like he's her lifeline. Not ideal at all, but you just don't know what that's like. Like, so yeah. And so maybe you can look into, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk to your therapist or your friends or whatever, but look into like, what, like, why do I feel so responsible? Like, why is mm -hmm. this like, why is this, like, heating me up inside so much? Yeah. Like, and I wonder, I don't know, it doesn't say if the, the writer of this letter, did they give themselves at least a fake name that I can use or not? Only she deserves so much better. She, so she maybe, sort of appropriated yeah, so the maybe, situation. Maybe she deserves so much better. Like, I don't know if this person is in a, a relationship that they're happy about, um, but, like, I suppose that's one, if, if they are, that's one thing you could do is, like, just share positive mm -hmm. moments from your own relationship. Yeah. Maybe this per the other, the cousin could be like, oh, my you know, he doesn't do that for me or, you know, yeah, I don't know. or go to a picnic where people seem happy with their lives, <laughs> right, you yeah. know, like, I don't remember. I was at a picnic and I was like, wow, people are so well adjusted here. Like this would be very it's good all a facade. For someone yeah. like, well, that's true too. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, like be sort of model. Yeah. Model being well adjusted, but, uh, also, mm, also, yeah. Talk about other things, do other things like, you know, don't just like sit around and eat and talk about your relationships. Like, you know, mm -hmm. go to, go to storytelling shows, like take, you know, just try to get things like have other, other ways to bond with each other because otherwise it will be, it could be tedious. And, yeah. but also pray that she gets some clarity, like, you know, burn a little sage, send her some good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know. This was hard. It is a okay. hard one, yeah. She does deserve so much better, and a lot of people deserve so much better, and you don't deserve to have to fret over this. However, you can maybe um, turn down your fretting a little bit after speaking your mind once or twice. It's shitty if it was like, it seemed like it was over, and then he made a comeback, you know? It's so exhausting yeah. for everyone involved. But, I mean, they say that, like, every time you quit smoking, every time you, like, you leave somebody, you get closer to actually leaving. I'm just concerned with, like, the sort of the patterns being cemented and him distorting her reality and like his voice taking, getting more, like mm -hmm. getting more weight than it deserves because yeah. like it sort of, yeah, it sort of cements, it sticks, things get stickier the longer you stay. So, but you know, you can refer her to the time when she was doing better when she wasn't with him. Um, yeah. But like life is not a soap opera, so you don't have to like, you know, just like turn it off. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just stop watching the show for a while and like do something else. 
I think. Yeah. It's so. hard. I mean, we've all been in like bad, yeah, you know, we unhealthy all have. relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And like, we have sometimes yeah. more than one per decade, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Like she's stuck with one person. And it is, I think it is time. true that you do get addicted to those mm-hmm. destructive patterns. Yeah. And sometimes you need to work them out. And sometimes like you need to, you, they need to run their course. Like I remember some, I just was not ready to not be in contact with my, my gay husband. I could, I just wasn't ready to end the friendship. And it, it, you know, even though there were some doozy days and it was like, most people would not have tolerated this, but I just wasn't done working it out. And then when I was done, I was really done. Like I was like, well, that's not true. I cried for about six months, but like, it was like, there then were, you were done. Then it was done. Like I knew it, there was no going back. You know, you get to a point where it's like, well, this is totally unacceptable. Yeah. I like, this is my strange and beautiful life. I can't do this anymore. But mm-hmm. yeah, Ugh, that was the best we could yeah. do. I was just talking about this with a friend the other day. It's just there's, you know, and, and I'm not referring specifically to this relationship, cousin relationship, because mm-hmm. I don't, obviously I don't know, but like, it's just, there's, there it breaks down to there's basically two kinds of people in the world. There's like mm-hmm. people who like give energy or people who take energy. Yeah. And that's it, you know? Yeah, and like, yeah. that's another thing with getting older is just like going to die one day, no time for the take energy people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. On my, on my vision board, it says soul peeps only. It's like, you know, if there's not like a, I mean, that's a little bit idealistic, but like, this isn't good for my soul or my bank account. Like maybe yeah. we're done, like we're done here. Right. But mm-hmm. I don't know, but some souls, maybe there is a journey for, she deserves so much better. Here's hoping. But like, I hope the journey is away from her gaslighting boyfriend. Yeah. Ugh, that's it. They yeah. Do it. Be- believe in the power of the universe to work these things out. Yeah, that's... A, sometimes less effort is yeah. more uh, efficient. Yeah. Because like, do know. you believe we all have like divinity inside of us? Divinity? God inside? Like God? Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. I'll buy okay. that. Okay. Yeah. We have a little magic. Like, uh, you know, and so your friend does too. So it's not up to you to like work your magic and be like... Guess what would be better if you broke up? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. you don't have to use all your magic for her because she has magic too. Mm-hmm. But I think the take care of yourself thing is important too, right? Because if, yeah, if you're with the cousin and you're like, it's, if it's really weighing on you, then you have to kind of say, look, this is affecting our, mm-hmm. our friend, our cousinship or our relationship, yeah. you know? And I don't think you can do like, it's me or him kind of ultimatum because mm-hmm. that's a bit drastic, but, um, but like sort of, you know? Well, you can just say this is, this is hard to watch. Yeah. Yeah. She deserves so much better. This is hard to watch. And I hope that you find so much better soon. Maybe by November when this episode comes out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> pretty soon it's November. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, you get pretty like heavy duty letters from people. I know. Yeah. It's no joking around. If anybody has a letter, please send it to me. I might edit it for clarity or length, but I might not also. Mm-hmm. So we talk a lot about storytelling on This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life. And let's say you're in Montreal and you've never been to a storytelling show. You must come to Confabulation. Confabulation is the longest running English storytelling show in Montreal. At these shows, we share stories about our lives, true as we can tell them. There are shows almost every month in venues across the city And if you're listening to this before Thursday, November 23rd, 2023, you can get a ticket to see me, Erica J. Schmidt, perform a story at Confabulation Presents the Song That Saved My Life. This is a special collaboration of Confabulation and the popular podcast, The Volume Knob. It combines music and storytelling, and it is a once-a-year thing. So if you can make it, it would be so, so fun to see you. 
You can get all the info you need on Confabulation's Facebook page, on Instagram at Confab Stories, or at their website, confabulation.ca. Okay, thank you so much, and let's get back to the show. Hello, friends. It's Erica, and I have a few more thoughts on this listener question. So in my life, I have not always been the most generous when it comes to life coaches, but some of them are quite lovely. For example, Oprah's life coach, her name is Martha Beck. I I am a fan of Martha Beck, and Martha Beck was recently on episodes 253 and 254 of Glennon Doyle's iconic podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. I have listened to all 254 episodes. They are not sponsors of This Is Your Strange and Beautiful Life, but I will plug them because I love them and I love Martha Beck. And in Martha Beck's episodes, uh, Martha gives advice to people who are extraordinarily invested in relieving their loved one's suffering. And while Martha and I also acknowledge that this comes from a generous place, she said something that had me sit up in bed in the middle of the night and write it down. So here's what Martha said. Any advice given from a desire to help and fix ends up feeling like a control strategy because it is. It is a control strategy. Okay, so let's hear that again. Ready? Any advice given from a desire to help and fix ends up feeling like a control strategy because it is. And Martha goes on to suggest that if you feel the compulsion to set someone else free, go find that compulsion and free yourself from it. Okay? Uh, Martha says that when you set yourself free from the compulsion to fix other people, they will become more fixed than if you tried to micromanage their relationships, their gambling addictions, their workaholism. Like all those things that you feel like, oh, if only they'd stop doing it, they'd be so much happier, they'd be so much freer. This is not your job, okay? But I would say that setting yourself free from the compulsion to fix those around you, this is like a varsity level life coaching activity because for a lot of us, the drive to like make everything better, this is a trauma response. Many of us grew up trying to appease the tension in our childhood home. Uh, then maybe we went on to try to appease the tension in our relationships single-handedly. You are taking on too much, okay? Life is a group project. Everybody needs to participate in their own responsibilities, okay? You are not in charge of making the whole world better. That will not make anything better, okay? And in the case of she deserves so much better, uh, your cousin is likely already bathing in shame. That is the nature of toxic relationships. And I'm not sure that there is much advice that you could give her that she doesn't already know and feel really bad about. Uh, but what she might not know is how this dynamic is affecting you and how much you're afraid of losing her. And I think that maybe that fear is displaced into you trying to fix her relationship when really you are just terrified that your cousin is going to disappear uh, into her toxic boyfriend's arms or worse, right? And so go ahead and express yourself and then follow all the advice that Jeff Gandell and I humbly cobbled together, not because we wanted to fix you, and just do your best. Okay. 
Big love to you, big love to your cousin, and love to anybody who is in any kind of difficult situation right now. Okay, thank you so much, and let's get back to the show. Um, Are you ready for routines? Absolutely. Okay, so Jeff Gandel, do you have a morning routine? I, I try to. So okay. uh, I'll tell you like what I was successful in doing a couple of times this week is uh, get up at 4.30. Oh my God. That's right. Uh, go to, I go to bed at like nine. Let's okay. get that out of the way first. So wake up at like 4.30. Uh, I will um, have a fruit. Okay. Uh, so either a, a clementine or some grapes okay. or a bit of both. And then uh, make myself a coffee, uh-huh. uh, have some breakfast, toast or a bagel. Okay. Um, I stretch. Okay. Because uh, I'm uh, currently going to physiotherapy because I have like a stiff neck. We're going to sing about that at that's the right, end of this. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I wrote that song years ago. The neck's, neck's still stiff, but the yeah. physio helps. Uh, so stretch for about 10 minutes. And then for now, well, before it gets too cold, uh, I go into my our storage uh, shed uh-huh. and uh, uh, write a song, write work on songwriting. Okay. Yeah. Write a song uh, for about half an hour to an okay. hour. And then come back, and then by this time it's about 6, maybe 6 a.m., and then Rory's going to wake up soon, so get up with Rory and get ready for the day, and then the past couple of days I teach at 8 a.m., so by 8 a.m. I'm at work already. And you're not like just like strung out and tired from getting up so early? No, because I go to bed early. If I don't go to bed early, I can't get up that early, so like if I go to bed even like at 10, I can't wake up at 4, 4.30, but if I go to bed at 9, no, it's It's, again, like there's a lot of theme of getting older here, but... uh, need less sleep than i used to yeah yeah i don't um well maybe that's true i don't know i'll wait i'm not as old as you right um okay less sleep you're drinking coffee now like at 3 p.m and it's like crack the coffee i made was yeah well we'll see but i'm generally like not that affected by coffee in terms of keeping me awake Mm -hmm. um so we'll see like yeah usually i i'm really i'm very efficient at falling asleep i have okay. to say that uh, okay you're a good sleeper I probably could fall asleep right now if i set okay, my mind to but it there's no bed so yeah, yeah. you can't i'm not going to fall yeah, asleep but okay. i probably could like i was i was getting physio today and she put a kind of it was, i had a 10 minute like heat pack on uh-huh. heat pack on my neck for 10 minutes and i was sitting in a chair and she came back she's like were you sleeping and i was like probably oh <laughs> he's an excellent sleeper yeah. aspirational yeah okay so that is an ambitious morning routine for a young parent, and you have to be flexible when you're when you have. Kids, you have to, I, but that's why I yeah. have to because I, 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 I cherish my creative time at mm-hmm. least daily, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's just half hour, you know. Mm-hmm. But at least, um, but it's the only it's the only guaranteed, almost guaranteed time that I have that Rory will not be awake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he usually wakes up at six, so okay. <laughs> um, it's not always guaranteed. Bless like, him. I, yeah. <laughs> Come uh, on, Rory. Can you wait till seven, six yeah. thirty? It's not always guaranteed. Like I, I was kind of. There was a while I wasn't waking up this early, and then a couple of weeks ago, I managed to like get up at four thirty for uh-huh. the first time in a while, and wow. he woke up at four thirty, and he never wakes up. Oh, at come 4:00. It was on, like Rory. one day I was like literally like cutting my bagel, and like he woke up. Like, he did go back to bed though. Okay, to be let's honest. let's write a song, Rory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's yeah, it's my guaranteed kind of. I have some space to create and nobody's going to bother me time. Admirable. And so, yeah, the next question was about your creative routine. So that's in the morning. Mornings are best for me. Yeah. yeah. And Mm -hmm. I just like to, I just need a a space where I won't be interrupted, Mm -hmm. uh, where I can just like 
sink into my own like kookiness for mm-hmm. like a uh, half hour or an hour and that's all i need and, and mm-hmm. i'll just different ways to get into it like i'll often lately uh, if i'm songwriting i often start by like learning a new song like someone okay. else's song oh, I'll, like fun. listen to it and figure it out mm-hmm. uh and that gets me into just the space of like you know melody and, and mm-hmm. harmony and chords and stuff like that and then uh yeah and then i then I'm ready to write. Okay. And yeah. then I remember you used to have an exercise called object writing where yeah. you just like free wrote about an object. Yeah. Like, do you, is that still part of it? Uh, now? I haven't done that in a while. Thank you okay. for reminding me. I got, that's from a songwriting book, yeah. uh, um, object writing. Uh, I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. But, uh, I, I did it for a few months after your course. It's good. I just thank yeah. you for reminding me. I'll start yeah. doing that again. Okay. Yeah. So folks, you just look at an object. It's like 10, 11 minutes, something like that. Set a time. I mean, just like write. It's kind of like the the Alice in Wonderland piece. You get that kind of that vibe, yeah, right? Just, kind just of a bit random, stream of consciousness floaty. style. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, and you have song, and like, do you play? You can play guitar, like, with your family sometimes. Or? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Rory loves like playing. Like he he's he he can now like he gets up. We have like an electric piano. Mm-hmm. He gets up by himself on the piano bench. He could turn on the piano and he'll start banging on the keys. Oh, charming. And, yeah. And like he starts, it's like sometimes he'll be like, daddy, play, play guitar, play guitar. Aww. And I'll get on my guitar and we'll just jam. He's, he's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's, you know, he's two and a half, but he can like play Check individual keys and, keys, yeah. uh, and he's a great singer. Like I'll, I'll play, wow. you know, like I'll Gifted sing a note child. and he can, he can pit, match the pitch and like, okay. yeah, it's, it's quite incredible. We're going to have him on. We sh- you should. Yeah. Yeah. You should. And it's been like from like a young age. I think this is probably not uncommon for children as they can, they can match your pitch when you're, when you're oh, singing. And then if they start early, they'll be able to. Yeah. Okay. Kids are quite musical by yeah. nature. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's like, it makes sense. It's like, the first thing they hear like constantly is a heartbeat right like vibrations yeah Mm -hmm. gifted vibrations that's great um so that was great morning routine creative routine okay jeff gandal what about your cleaning routine this is my favorite (laughs) Uh, yeah so it's it's tough with a kid because it's just like things sink into like a disaster usually i mean we have we have our we have our our tasks you know kind of informally divided i do the cooking okay and i i do like 95 percent of the dishes to be honest so Mm -hmm. uh, i'm kind of the kitchen guy Mm um and Laura does a lot of the other cleaning mm-hmm. uh, when she can. We're in the midst of like trying to find a good house cleaner. So if anybody knows anyone. Yeah, with two kids. Yeah. Laura, Laura is very particular, but I mean, particular in that we've tried a few people that she hasn't been happy with, mm-hmm. but her gen, her general, gen, like general criteria is like, if they can't clean as well as I can, yeah. then they're not and good she's enough. she's a good cleaner. She's so a that good cleaner. Tough. Yeah. You know? Like I couldn't hire somebody either. Cause yeah. I mean, full disclosure, I have cleaned Jeff Gandel's, your old apartment. That's correct, yeah. Laura said to me, I made a miracle happen at your apartment because you were a bachelor for a while. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't your greatest priority. Yeah. And so, but yeah, cleaners are hard to find and important. It's quite a skill, you know. Yeah, Uh, it's caregiving. It's like... Yeah, Important. so yeah. we're we're shopping around for okay. for a cleaner. Okay. Um, well, if I go back in the business, I'll let you know. But uh, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Or if you if you know anybody. Yeah. yeah. I got I got housemaid's knee from cleaning. My knee oh, swelled God. up from yeah. So cleaning routines. So that's that's a, a valuable contribution though. Mm-hmm. Kitchen and yeah, I'm pretty much like the you dishes. know I'm in charge of the kitchen. I mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know in consultation with Laura, but I'll make the food list for the week. Yeah. Do the shopping. Do mm-hmm. do most of the cooking. No, that's huge. I love yeah. cooking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. So that's that's a great deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it is uh, 
it's hard with little kids. They don't like, it's like very, it's very Sisyphean, very Zen, just like, Oh, here we better start again now. (laughs) Yeah. You just get into survival mode, you know, and they're, they're very good at making messes obviously. Mm -hmm. So, but the last time I was at your house, I thought it looked good. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So Jeff Gandell, so we are almost done the the regular questions. The last main question is if there was one thing you could change about the world, what would it be? So it's like your chance to do a mini TED talk in a few sentences. It doesn't have to be noble. Uh-huh. Um, just, you know, if whatever there's one comes thing, to mind. I mean, it's, it's a difficult moment in the world, isn't yeah. it? Like, uh, <laughs> <You> don't <laughs> to think about that. But um, just like, I would change, I would make like the, the kind of huge conglomeration companies that make the most money. Mm-hmm. I would make those like, benevolent and doing good in the world mm-hmm. you know is I, I, plastic like things. it's it's just a well, plastic but just like i feel like the the who, the the entities that make the most money are like petrol companies and mm-hmm. and weapons companies yeah um so that's that's i think a big explanation of why the world is in the state that it's in mm-hmm. um but what if like the companies that made the most money were like you know um I don't know, uh, artist coaching companies or right. like, you know, for the better, the good of yeah, humanity. Exactly. And, and there's know. no reason why that change can't happen. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, another change I would make is just like maybe collectively as a species, if like the common, common person, or like regular everyday people could realize how powerful we are, mm. you know, is that okay. I think we don't know that, um, yeah. that we, we far outnumber all the bad people in the world. Um, yeah, but we're just but, being a bit tired. But we're a bit tired. I think that's it, you know. Yeah. It's it's hard to kind of uh think of the bigger picture like at every moment of the day, you know. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, ambitious, but I mean I like this. It's something okay. I've been thinking about a lot okay. lately. Cuz it's right. just it's such a I can't I can't even like think about what's happening and like no, you know, yeah, we're uh, recording this, during this Gaza crisis. Yeah, just like um, images I, I, anybody who feels this way but like especially as a parent like mm-hmm. images of like like bloody children no, it's no. just like we're not we're not we're not living up to our responsibilities as a species yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So I I guess I would yeah, maybe that's another thing is just like let's revere children with the with the what they deserve, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. And sorry to end on a downer there. Well, <laughs> but then next is coming up is a an original song yeah. um, written by Jeff Gandell. So this will hopefully uplift a little bit there and give go. everybody a sense of their own power and responsibility. So we will be right back with a very special song. Okay. Love you. See you on the other side. We're back and we're feeling a little bit sad about the world, but now we have a song written by Jeff Gandell. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the song, Jeff? Yeah, sure. So the song is called I'm Turning Into a Question Mark. <laughs> um, I wrote it a few years ago and uh, it's essentially about, um, it's an autobiographical song and uh, about, I have, very, I have bad posture with, that's kind of the first line of the song. Uh, I've had bad posture forever, hence the, the physio that I, that I referenced earlier. Uh, I, I feel like within the last few weeks, I've made the most progress okay. on my posture than I've had in a bad. while. Yeah, thank you for noticing. So I'm really like, uh, it's really helping um, the physio and, and just awareness. But anyway, so it's just about um, my posture and, and essentially like 
I feel like I've, I, I've uh, forever had the kind of like turtle thing, you know, where like the neck was forward. Neck but you're right, goes, this is different now. It's yeah, more well, I, you know what? I, I'm seeing a good physio and I, I went for a really good, like it was a different physio who evaluated me to the one mm-hmm. I'm being treated. But the one who evaluated me, like just kind of said, you know, stand up straighter and put your neck down. I, I put your neck down and like look up. It's like okay. I've never had I've never had posture explained to me so simply before, you know. Put your chin down and look up. Yeah, like put your chin, tuck your chin in, and uh-huh. like look, don't look down, you know, look straight. <laughs> and I was, and put your shoulders back, tuck your chin in, and look forward. And I was like, okay, if I just right. pay attention. And so every time I catch myself leaning forward, I'll just mm-hmm. lean back a little bit. So anyway, but that's 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 now. But the song, I didn't have this advice. So mm-hmm. I was kind of uh, uh, despondent. And it was kind of, I, I guess there was a, 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 I was forgetting a lot of things at mm-hmm. the time as well, uh, in that I, f- I felt like I was becoming a little bit stupider. So mm-hmm. I, had, uh, I had this kind of concurrent uh, situation where I, my posture was getting worse and worse, and I was becoming stupider. And I just had this image in my head of a question mark uh, you know, as kind of this thing that's, you know, I guess if you, if you, uh, the question mark is kind of hunched over mm-hmm, as well, you yeah. know, so, so I thought of the question mark image uh, of like something that's hunched over and also something that's like, if you're forgetting things, then you have to ask a lot of questions mm-hmm. uh, and that you don't really know what's going on. You're just lost, right? Because yeah. you can't see what's happening. Yeah. So I had this kind of image of a question mark that had this kind of double meaning of mm-hmm. my posture getting worse and becoming stupider. You know, the song doesn't really need explanation because I, I literally explicitly say those things in the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm happy your posture. I mean, we love all people, all the spines, all hunched over posture. It's fine. We, you know, but this is, and it's interesting because you're not, you're over 40, right? You don't yeah. have to, your age is, you don't want to tell, but anyways. I'm um, 46. 46, yeah. right? And it's like a lot of people in their 30s, late 30s are like, oh, my body's so angry at me. This is getting old. Right. But you can fix things. Like, oh, for sure. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. like perfect. You're still going to have to be careful, but like. You don't, you know, we don't need to turn into question marks. That's right. Yeah, like in terms of in terms of posture, forty six is still is still young. Mm-hmm. In that, you know, like I'm not eighty. If I was eighty, yeah. I couldn't fix my you posture. But, or I don't want to say I couldn't. I don't want to be ageist. But it would be much harder yeah. if I was eighty. Uh, but I'm. I think I'm considered young enough in the posture yeah. community. Yeah, your yeah. body adapts to hunching, and then uh, so then it curves, and then when you stop hunching, it straightens out. Yeah. Okay, and it yeah, it adapts to practicing music or not practicing. We practiced a little bit, so That's we're right, gonna yeah. sing. I um I I haven't often played with live instruments, so Yay. Jeff's really gonna um yeah, he's he's the leader here. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay. Should, should I count <laughs> count this down here? Okay, sure. Yeah. One, two, three, four. I'm a turtle. You, want to, you know what? Oh wait, I messed it up. Let's just play. Let's play one round okay, good of idea. the thing yeah. first, okay. and then we'll start singing. Okay. One, two, three, four. Good idea. I'm a turtle without a shell, or later day Norman fell. I'm a slumper, I'm a sloucher. What I'm saying is I got really bad posture. And if that weren't bad enough, then my back is curved and my shoulders hunched. I keep forgetting stuff like But I quit trying to change and grow I gave that up so long ago I've 
flattened out my character arc and I'm turning into a question mark I'm turning into a question mark I'm bent like a hook and I'm not that sharp With a point underneath my toe That's where the answers go so much staring at the ground my eyes are forward my head is down i see pavement i see dirt and my neck really hurts i went to a chiropractor i told him i heard he was a crackback cracker he asked where i got his number i couldn't remember i never felt dumber Soon enough, enough, I'll turn into, into a sea, walking, walking on all fours like a monkey. I'm evolving I'm in, the in the wrong direction. I'm the mark at the end of a question. I'm turning into a question mark. I'm bent like a hook and I'm not that sharp. With a point underneath my toe, that's where the answers go. Oh, oh, oh. that's where they go. <laughs> oh, that was splendid! Yay! That was fun. I think thank we you. we nailed yeah, it more than we, we did it. in the practice. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> I the mean, point of practice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jeff Gandell. And where can people find you if they want to follow your um, creations? Uh, so they can go to my website, uh, jeffgandell.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I suppose you could put a link on the yeah, website. Yeah, I will do that. Uh, yeah, you can have a link to all my music and all mm-hmm. my all my shows. I'm also, well, this is coming out in November, so what I was about to say is not relevant. But yeah, jeffgandell.com. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. And like, I will, I try to plug everything that my podcast people do. So oh, if ever you. anything is happening, you just follow me, Erica J. Schmidt, and you'll see Jeff is going to be, if he's doing anything... It'll be on my busy page. There you go. So, okay. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Or? No, thank you. That was I really enjoyed uh, playing the song with you. Thank yeah, you. that was really fun. Yeah. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you, Jeff Gandell. That was the most joyful. Uh, So I consulted my 13th therapist and she confirmed that playing music with people is a wonderful way to co-regulate. It releases oxytocin, dopamine, it makes you feel wonderful. And a quick Google search has revealed that storytelling has a similar effect as Jeff and I alluded to earlier in the show. Uh, So everyone, keep playing music, keep telling your stories. And keep making your thing. It's so important for our world. Okay, so remember, chin down, look up, make your stuff. And thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please share your favorite episodes with your favorite peeps. And or you can join the ranks of James Junkster and leave an enthusiastic five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. All right, so now for the final thank yous. Thank you to my darling big sister, Tess Levitt, who helped me to refine the inspiration for this podcast. Thank you to Sherwin Tijia, my creative and technical advisor and most cherished friend, Thank you to my dearly departed aunt, Eileen Gunn, whose surprise and generous gift helped to fund new podcast equipment. And thank you again to you for listening 
all the way to the end. And now let us co-regulate together as we sing the theme song. Okay, are you ready? This is your strange and beautiful life. Okay, everybody, remember, chin down, look up. Thank you so much for listening. Love you. Love you. Bye.